At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to episode 899 of I Doubt It Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by the lovely, the talented, and indeed, for the 899th time, the scholarly, Bernie Page, everybody. So, you know how they say, new year, new you? Is that what they say? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. I've heard that saying. Is that something that you feel is true of you? (laughs) <laughs> no, I am. Uh, I am the same as the Bible would say: yesterday, <laughs> today, and forever. Oh, okay. No, no, I don't. From one day to the next, from one year to the next. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. No, about the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm taking your questions on face at face value. Yeah. Well, you're also you're getting. To, or are we not playing along with your reindeer game? No, you're getting to the point that I'm trying to make, which is I think when the new year comes, people typically try to make certain changes, and I guess the way of thinking about it is that they attempt to make those changes and they don't last very long. If you're a pessimist, if you're optimistic, you think no, it's an opportunity to to grow and do something different and. People get gym memberships and they do yeah. they do dry January and they, you know, do all kinds of different things. And I don't necessarily make New Year's resolutions or attempt to do anything different, but I do try to think of New Year's as, you know, what is the new year going to bring? What are the new opportunities going to be? What are the things I want to accomplish that year? Sure, yeah, yeah. And instead of thinking about those things, I instead have felt very fatigued. <laughs> <laughs> I have felt fatigued too. Uh, does my voice sound weird to you, by the way? Because in my headphones, it is a fucking nightmare right I now. I don't. I don't think so. What, right. What's wrong? Uh, just very muffled. Oh, I don't think it. Sounds- we'll see in post how it sounds. Huh. So if it does sound shitty, we don't know why. Okay. Um. Yeah, I don't. I've certainly felt fatigued, but I don't ascribe it to anything New Year related. I just think we're. This election cycle is picking up. We're into 2024 now. And so, you know, in 10 months, we're going to be in five months. We're going to be in the thick of it. And that's uh, exhausting to me because I think that and I don't know how serious I wanted this intro to be, <laughs> but uh, I think that things are going to get more chaotic politically with white nationalism and threats of violence from Trump supporters than we've ever seen it, and that is including the insurrection. And it it wears me out just even thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, this last weekend was, sorry, I you were breathing to talk. 
I was. This <laughs> this last weekend was uh, was a bummer for me. Like even leading into like today, it's been. You ever, you ever just you're in a bad mood, and something happens in traffic, and it sets you off, and you want to jump out of your car and smash someone's head. <laughs> Is that just me? It's been like that for me with just all like we've been bickering at one another more than normal. Mm-hmm. Like it's normal. I mean, we've been we've been having like little little fights, and I really I chalk it up to, I mean, it's me. It's my the it's me me. I'm the problem. It's me. It's because I I'm not coping well with the stress. This really got heavy. Anyway, yeah. So to answer your question, yes, Brittany, I have felt stress. There's gonna be <laughs> there's gonna be I think a small contingent of people that are hearing this thinking, all right, Brittany's a therapist, and she laid a trap for Jesse, <laughs> and he walked right into it well, and started I, immediately taking responsibility. <laughs> I am a dumb shit, and I fall for traps very easily, apparently. Yeah, no, I I really wasn't setting a trap, although, I mean, something happened. Here we are. Something happened there. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I think what, what I was trying to say about the new year is for whatever new thing that I was hoping for or whatever, turning over a new leaf, whatever the fuck. Resolution. That that hasn't happened. And it's just been a continuation of the previous year and I don't feel any kind of newness. And, you know, I'm I'm just taking it as it goes. I think that we'll we'll work through it. Obviously it's it's tough with the political climate. It's tough with everything going on. And it's tough that we're always kind of immersed in it. But you know, we'll get through it. So let's talk about something light before we get into the emails, because we haven't talked about rat content for a while. And That's where we go for a respite. That's so, where we go for a break is talking about the rats. So we have a pretty extensive security system, because as you were referring to earlier, with uh, white nationalist violence, we get death threats. And so we have a pretty extensive security system, which involves a lot of cameras. And booby traps, trolls, if you're listening. <laughs> Lots of fucking death-inducing booby traps. This is basically like the Home Alone house, so don't even try anything. Don't even try anything. Oh, that's great. So That's what we call a sack lunch. <laughs> nom, 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 nom. So we were, or I opened, the, I opened the cameras every once in a while just to see what's going on, check things out. And... Sometimes I'm looking for rats, honestly. I'm not looking for a Nazi to be approaching the house. I'm just looking for the rats. And there is a ball that Sweepy likes to play with, a giant, like, soccer ball. And it's big enough. It's like a real, actual, the size of a soccer ball. And It's one of those indestructible ones we had to get for Popeye because he would destroy hard-to-destroy toys. Yes, we did actually get him a real soccer ball one time, and he immediately deflated it. So we had to get him one that he could not deflate, and this is the same ball. Yeah. It is indestructible. <laughs> yeah, and it's 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 sizable, and yeah, yeah. So I Sweepy leaves this ball outside. She doesn't really care about it anymore, so it just stays outside. And there was a rat in the back, and whenever I catch one on camera. Normally, I start screen recording. However, this one concerned me because it was on our back patio, not just on like a common area. It was on the area where I go, my area. (laughs) And this rat proceeds to crawl up on the soccer ball and like roll off like it's having a fun time playing on the soccer ball. It was absolutely horrifying. It's like masquerading as some sort of 
pleasant animal that someone what do you wants mean to it's be around. Masquerading? How about it was just having a good time? Yeah, it's manipulation. It's trying to act like I'm super cute. I'm super you, cool. Did you did you catch it when? Oh, you didn't have time to screen record. Had you screen recorded, and we could slow the footage down, you'd see him like doing the side eye up to the camera. Right. Like, Is she looking? <laughs> Am I fooling her? Right, and you're not, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. Um, Hurling invectives at the rats. <laughs> I am so tired right now. That's why this is happening. So I did get screenshots, however, and I sent them to you. And I said, look at this rat playing on the ball. And I said I would throw the ball away. I have not yet thrown it away, although it is surely contaminated with all kinds of filth. And so these are the things that you can look forward to if you should live or visit Washington, D.C. <laughs> We don't have pizza rats. We have uh, soccer ball rats. Yes. Okay. Rats who literally play soccer. <laughs> They're so nimble and agile. Yes. All right. So we are going to get to a few emails before we get to a voicemail. Queen of segues, <laughs> Brittany Page. A big part of the show is listener communication. And um, we will talk about the Patreon end of your gift a little bit more in detail uh, on the next episode, although we appreciate people reaching out to us saying that you didn't get one. If you were expecting one and you didn't receive your envelope, please get with us. We can figure out what happened. I have a spreadsheet of all of the addresses that they went to, so I can check to see which address it went to and make sure we confirm that it's correct. We also haven't gone to the post office box in a week to see what kind of return envelopes we've gotten. So yeah, it's that, all a process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. This first email is from Daniel in Tucson. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, quick message from an openly gay man. I personally do not feel the term gay is at all a pejorative. Is it used by some? Yes, but a vast majority of those that don't have anything to say worth listening to anyway. I don't understand the point the listener was trying to make by asking if you say hetero marriage, as the lack of any context to the contrary implies hetero marriage anyway, so that would be redundant. Obviously, those of us in the LGBTQ plus community aren't a monolith and have differing opinions on this, and this is just mine. Don't feel bad about using the term gay marriage. I feel they're interchangeable. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Uh, thank you, Daniel. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Haven't dropped that drop in a long time. Uh, thank you, Daniel. Um, I disagree. I, 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 well, first of all, what this is about, we had a segment a few weeks ago where I... I didn't go back to listen, but I, I believe that I said it, even though I really have tried to uh, extricate it from my my lexicon, my vocabulary, uh, that I used the term gay marriage when rather than marriage equality. And the, 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 the caller or the emailer, I don't remember which it was, made the point that it is um, otherizing to use the term gay marriage rather than just marriage equality or marriage. And Daniel actually said something there, the way I interpret the sentence, that kind of points to what the the other caller or the other um, the listener said, and it's that well, if you say hetero marriage, that's just the default anyway. That's the point. It why is the default heterosexual marriage? Why why would we not say heterosexual marriage? And you made the point, well, it's that's the default. Well, that shouldn't be the default. Marriage is marriage, whether you're married to someone of the same sex or not. And so 
while I'm, uh, I appreciate and I'm glad that, that it doesn't offend you, and I hope I'm not coming off like a jackass or a jerk off or aggressive, because that's not, not meant that. It's not meant that way. He just talks loud. I do. <laughs> that's just that's just my face. That's just my voice. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm. I don't like the term, and I tr- I avoid using it. And I was bummed that I that I had used it, trusting that that I did say that. So. Yeah, I think I think Daniel is making a good point about how everyone isn't in agreement, though. Sure. So yeah. there, you know, there are people within the LGBTQ plus community that hear that term and and don't think of it as a pejorative. There are people that hear that term and do think of it as a pejorative. And well, again, I don't think it's a pejorative. I don't, but it certainly is otherizing. It certainly is. We have marriage. We have the standard heterosexual marriage, and you have gay marriage. I don't know. I just, eh. Yeah. So I know it's surprising that I've done this for 899 episodes when I just started reading the email without giving any context for what it was related to yeah. whatsoever. <laughs> so let me try this again with the next email. Well, you know what? <laughs> I had this thought today when we were getting ready to come down here and do the show that I kind of miss the days when we had a much smaller audience. Oh. You know what I mean? No. Well, like, I, I wish that we could... Be I, I don't know way we used to be way more open on the show about what was going on and how we were emotionally fraught and if we were you know just leaning on the audience for emotional support we used to do that a lot and I don't feel as comfortable doing that now because the audience is orders of magnitude larger mm-hmm. and you know those those were good days I don't know. I, you seem to be pretty honest earlier. Apparently so I'm I, really going through it. I know. Lately. Yeah, guys, send Jesse some some love because he's really going through it. <laughs> Don't send me love. I'm fine. All I mean, yeah, I love the love. But yeah. All right. So next next email that Brittany will set up this time. Yeah. So this one like a seasoned <laughs> professional. So this one is really. We are not drinking, by the way. This is seriously just. This is delirium from exhaustion and speak for yourself and news frustration. So. This is related to the conversation that we had a few weeks ago related to Anna Kasparian of the Young Turks getting frustrated about the term birthing person Mm -hmm. and making a big fuss about birthing person being a term that apparently has been used in her presence. All right. So this is... To refer to her. This is from Ryan. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. I can only assume that the reason Anna Kasparian doesn't want to be called a birthing person or a person with a uterus is because we are undeniably watching women's rights be taken away by political and religious extremists. While I understand why Anna Kasparian's pushback is being perceived as anti-trans, I couldn't imagine being a woman that is willing to allow oneself to have an identifier that will absolutely be used by the Republicans. The Republican Party is actively working on getting the message out that women need to reproduce, and they will absolutely abuse the ease of identifying viable candidates, parenthetically women, in the future. I don't have a solution that I can provide on this issue, but I feel that applying the birthing person label is a dangerous trap that progressive, good-hearted people are inadvertently setting up for themselves. Thank you for your time, Ryan. So, if I may, being the woman on the show, Jesse D. Yeah. <laughs> there are only two of us. I think what's more important is dealing with actual threats. And the Republican Party is posing actual threats 
to women and women's rights. And I don't think that that happens in the form of language. Now, first, I would say that I don't know progressives that are using the term birthing person. I haven't encountered that. Um, I've never been called that. I personally wouldn't be offended by that, even though I'm never going to birth a child. I don't. Yeah, I I go back to the whole, I... Look, I'm not calling Anna Kasparian a liar, but it just, in what context, how would that work that you're in a doctor's office or whatever, and they're like, well, you're a birthing person. Oh, excuse me, nurse. I, I'm with a birthing person right now. I can't deal with the, I just, how did that even, what? I, I don't, it just, I'm not saying it didn't happen. I just have a hard time believing it did. I think when Ryan says, Applying the birthing person label is a dangerous trap that progressive, good-hearted people are inadvertently setting up for themselves. That would be a sentence that I think would apply in a situation where there was widespread push to have this be adopted language. And I don't think that's happening. Maybe you can find people that want to use this language. Maybe you can find people that do use this language. Okay. But I don't think it's widespread. I think it's, you know, a minority of people. And again, like I said, the real threat is the Republican Party actually enacting abortion bans that are killing women. And I just read a New Yorker article that had me sobbing today, probably not at all related to how I'm currently feeling and this fatigue. Um, But a woman died in Texas because of the abortion ban, because the doctors were unwilling to inform her of her full medical situation and what options were on the table for her. As a 27-year-old woman who could have lived had they told her, this pregnancy is going to kill you, and one thing that we can do for you is offer you an abortion that Mm -hmm. will save your life. Will you do that? They never said that because of the abortion ban in Texas, and now she's dead. And this happened without widespread use of the term birthing person. So, so I, a dystopian type of shit's already happening, and no one's using the term birthing person. That, it's not going to be used as a target. It's it's more of an invective for the right and, uh, you know, mockery on the right, not, not So they policy. can mock the left for yeah. something that's not actually happening and, and distract us all. So that, that's what I would which say, Which is Ryan. why it's a bummer, sorry, it's, which is why it's a bummer that the Young Turks leaned into it because all they're doing is playing into right-wing hysteria about shit that's not happening. And it doesn't matter, ultimately, in the scheme Without of what's happening in the country right now. So that's what I would say to that. But thank you, Ryan. We appreciate your, your feedback and your thoughts. I'm sure there's many people out there that agree with you, too. So. Yeah, for sure. All right. And we'd love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We have another email. So Kate Cox was the woman a few weeks ago in Texas who was seeking an abortion. She had gone to the emergency room four times within the past month before she was seeking the abortion. Ultimately, the Texas Supreme Court... Uh, ruled that she would have been unable to proceed with obtaining an abortion, even in her situation, even in a medical emergency, that she was not yet close enough to dying in order to obtain the abortion in the state of Texas. And so she left the state of Texas to get an abortion. We haven't really heard from Kate Cox since that happened, but there was a lot of speculation in the aftermath of this case about what it meant for her because of SB 8 in Texas and uh, whether citizens could sue Kate Cox. Right. And whether people who helped Kate Cox get the abortion could be sued. And there was a lot of talk about this online. And I made a comment on the show that 
SB 8 is not about suing a person who who got an abortion. And so we got an email wanting clarification on that and, and writing about that. So I'm setting this email up. You see? Professional. All right. First, thanks, Brittany and Jesse, for the fine and honest work you do with honesty, humility, and humor. I appreciate it, and I believe many others do as well. I have a few thoughts regarding the Kate Cox case in Texas. I have heard a number of comments regarding the fact that she cannot be prosecuted for seeking an out-of-state abortion, but I have not heard anyone discuss the Texas SB 8 vigilante laws that allow citizens to sue people who aid women with obtaining abortions. Can her husband be sued? Other family members who babysat or provided transportation? Her doctor? That's a worry. I heard several Kate Cox interviews, and in at least one, she said, I never thought this would happen to me. I don't know Kate Cox's political leanings, and it doesn't matter at all if she supported Republicans in her state, because what happened to her is unthinkable and immoral, no matter what her politics. However, it is important to unpack the sentence, I never thought this would happen to me. I see two facets in this sentence, awareness and empathy. Lack of awareness about what is going on in the area of women's reproductive health and about the machinations and misogynistic intent of Republicans is a huge problem. I am old. I have the time and the bandwidth to pay attention, but my children, like many in the 18 to 50-year-old age group, are very overwhelmed with education, launching careers, working on relationships, earning a living, maybe having and raising children and all that entails. Most of this age group are just too swamped and overwhelmed to pay more than general attention. Plus, those in blue states, I live in New York, are not worried because, you know, that's Texas. They aren't paying attention to the larger plans of the forced birth party. This is the first challenge, making it easier for very busy people to become acutely aware of what is happening. Then there's empathy. I think that a deficiency of empathy is mainly, but not exclusively, a problem with conservatives. Conservatives cannot seem to apply empathy on a broad scale. Real suffering is real to them only if it's in their family or someone they know. Thus, they speak glibly about the rewards of a 10-year-old rape victim becoming a mother. Or they boast about the exceptions for the life and health of the mother to their draconian forced birth laws, with no appreciation for the impossibility of accessing the exceptions, and no acknowledgement for the suffering of women. They also have no appreciation for the dilemmas facing doctors who must choose between providing needed care and risking their careers and facing fines and imprisonment, or denying care placing women at risk in order to avoid legal consequences. It is untenable. I have a hard time understanding this lack of empathy. Even some conservative women who have had abortions lack empathy for others in the same boat. It is a phenomenon known in the abortion provider world as the me exception. As in, my situation is special and unique. Therefore, I or my daughter should be entitled to an abortion, but not anyone else. Yeah. This is the second challenge, bringing empathy back. I don't know how to meet either of these challenges, and this is a kind of a, this is kind of a rambler, but there you have it. It's very well written. And I was going to say, amazingly well written. Yeah, very um, easy to read. So thank you for writing it that way. And there's not a name in the body of the email. So what we do in that situation is we say it was anonymous. So... If this person who wrote this really awesome email wants to have their name attributed to it, <laughs> um, just let us know and we can we can tell everyone who wrote it. <laughs> but for now, it's anonymous. <laughs> so here's I want to talk a little bit about SB8. Do you want to respond to the email, first of all? Go ahead and then I'll get my thoughts together. Okay. So SB8 is, again, uh, uh, related to suing people who... Um, aid or abet an abortion in Texas. So, you know, everybody should remember it is the 
the ability, because the state didn't want to have any culpability in this, they allowed private citizens to sue one another civilly and get like ten or $20,000 as a bounty as a judgment. Right. So I looked into this, and it looks like travel assistance could count as abetting an abortion. So anyone technically who helped Kate Cox get her abortion could potentially be vulnerable to lawsuits, but not her. And not criminal prosecution, obviously, which is what we talked about on the previous episode. Now, legal experts, I was reading different legal experts who weighed in on this. They speculated that in the aftermath of Kate Cox's abortion, that basically given how high profile it was, it could potentially attract people who were interested in filing a lawsuit. But... The organization who was representing Kate Cox, the Center for Reproductive Rights, said SB8 is not a concern because it only applies to abortions within the state, Mm. not those applied out of state. But legal experts have also said that it's hard to know how a lawsuit like that would play out because there's little precedent. So according to reporting from NBC, last year, a judge dismissed a case in which a Chicago resident sued a Texas doctor who had provided an abortion after SB8 went into effect, the judge determined that people who are not directly affected by an abortion do not have a standing to sue. Yeah, initially the way that they talked about this bill is that family members would be harmed by the lack of that child being brought into their family or some nonsense. Right. And that was the predicate, how a lawsuit, a civil lawsuit would be predicated, because then you would have standing to sue. Right. And then you have to think of just the logistics for some busybody who wants to file a lawsuit against Kate Cox because they saw her case in the news. They have to have money to pay the fees. They have to hire a lawyer. They have to gather evidence to prove the person that they want to sue was actually involved in having the abortion. Yeah. So it like I just there's a lot of variables there. But It's unfortunate that a lot of misinformation was spread about this because I think it creates a lot of additional fear online. Absolutely. And that was the intent. That was part of the intent all the the entire time. Right. That's why they write these laws so vaguely. That's why, I mean, it's by design. For sure. The other aspect of this that I want to talk about is certainly a, the, the, the deficit of empathy within conservatives and that, you know, a, a caller years ago said that with, with, with Republicans, oftentimes they have to find their tragedy before they find their empathy. And I found that so brilliant because it just it encapsulates the situation with Republicans so well. You know, you, you hear stories about people who are ardently um, anti-gay until they they find out they have a gay son. And then, oh, oh, it's it's different now. Or people who were oh, I'm anti-vax and COVID's a fraud until they're, you know, they're, half their family gets wiped out from it. And then they're like, oh shit, no, this is real. Please go get the vaccine. Please. I almost died. You know, these types of people. Mm-hmm. So I, there's no real, <laughs> there's no remedy for it. It's just identifying it is uh, just perplexing. Mm-hmm. Very, very strange. Yeah. So now we are going to do a voicemail. Hi, Brittany. Hi, Jesse. It's me in Las Vegas. Let me say right off the rip. I hope you have a happy New Year. Stay inside because I don't trust people on days like that. They they shoot guns. So stay inside. Anyhow, I was watching that video about that governor pretending to care about transgender children. Jesse and Brittany, we will not or we should not want to be gaslit into believing Anything that comes out of a Republican 
politician's mouth. Jesse, as soon as we let our guard down, they will go right back to business as usual, taking away all of our rights. And so, please, please, I beg you, do not be fooled by this gesture of <laughs> sanity. It's only for the moment, because I promise you, if we give these people too much power, they will continue to destroy our lives and take away our rights and destroy the democracy that we all love. So don't be fooled, please. Thank you for listening, and may God bless and watch over you and your family. You stay safe, and keep your feet off of the path of evildoers. I think that you will, but I thought I'd just say that. And God is real, and, and so is Satan. And there's a lot of evilness going on in the world, so you stay safe, and like I said, keep your feet off of the path of evildoers. Hi, Brittany. <laughs> I like when I saw you on David Packman's show. You're so nice. <laughs> but every now and then you can be a little naughty too. You <laughs> just keep on doing what you do. It's kind of fun watching you two together. Thank you for listening. Bye. Great call. I really <laughs> took a turn into Sermon Town, but uh but how prescient. How it's like it's like this caller had a time machine, went into the future and witnessed the the chicanery and sinister activities of the liar and absolute fucking piece of shit Mike DeWine, the governor of Ohio. Now here's here's what I would say not to defend us because obviously obviously we did not predict that this would go where it where it went. But we did hedge a little bit and we said, you know, we can't fully give a Republican credit. Like, I remember we were yeah. hedging a little bit like we can't be fully rah rah. But like, this is the way that you want people to think about things. This is the process that you want people to go through, because as we talked about, uh, governor of Ohio, Mike DeWine, vetoed a, a bill that would have banned puberty blockers, gender affirming hormone therapy he would have it would have banned uh, trans girls and women from playing on girls and women's sports teams in high schools and colleges in Ohio. And so he vetoed this bill and gave like a long, like half hour, 45 minute speech on the matter. Right. And was like, these this is who I talked to. And I really thought about this. And the government can't be making these decisions. This is a healthcare decision. The doctor with their family needs to make this decision. And we're like, wow, these are basic concepts that you're grasping. That's so great. And, <laughs> and then and then. <laughs> and then he banned gender affirming surgeries for transgender youth and gave a speech about what his new approach is. One, the requirement of a multi-disciplinary team to support an individual through care, including but not limited to an endocrinologist, a bioethicist, and a psychiatrist. Second, the requirement of a comprehensive care plan that includes sufficient informed consent from patients and parents, if we're dealing with a child, of the risk associated with treatment. And the requirement of comprehensive and lengthy mental health counseling prior to being considered for any other treatment. And let me just add that is I spent time looking at this and listening to people 
uh, it's clear that the most important part is the mental health counseling. It needs to be lengthy and it needs to be comprehensive. And I want to emphasize that. The second thing I'm announcing today is that the Ohio Department of Health will be filing rules today for public comment that once effective will require health care providers across the state of Ohio to report what's referred to as de-identified data that will be shared at an aggregate level on cases of gender dysphoria and subsequent treatments. Uh, in plain English, that means that no one will be able to look at the data and tell who it is. Uh, we do this all the time uh, to protect uh, privacy. The reporting of aggregate data occurs frequently in Ohio, from flu cases to causes of food poisoning to data on abortions. This data is used by policymakers, legislators, and the public so they can make informed decisions. Adding this rule will ensure that that is the case as well for the subject that we are discussing today. Third, third, I signed an executive order just a few moments ago enacting emergency rules that ban gender transition surgeries for minors at any hospital or ambulatory surgical facility in Ohio. Uh, this ban is effective immediately. Ohio law allows for emergency rules so that provisions important to public safety and other important public policy goals specified in statute can be put in place while the full rulemaking process proceeds. This will ensure that surgeries of this type on minors can never happen in Ohio. I know that's been one of the concerns that has been expressed. Uh, I've never uh, disagreed with that. Um, if we look at uh, what evidence there is, there is very little that that is occurring, but let's make sure. Uh, and so that's what this that's what this does. I'm wait, wait, wait. These things aren't ha happening in Ohio, but we're going to get ahead of it and make sure they don't happen, even though they're not happening. Well, he's singing a different tune there because he's saying there's little evidence of it. But let's hear what he said just before he actually went into his press conference. We all agree uh, that, that minors should not have any surgery. Uh, the hospitals that are treating these minors are not doing surgery today, but we want to make sure that no one in the future ever does the surgery. And so, you know, we're putting out an executive order that, that says that. Little evidence versus it's not happening in hospitals in Ohio. Yeah. So again, it's a thing that's not happening, and yet he wants to get up on the stage and virtue signal to all of his fellow Republicans that he actually... Uh, isn't the common sense person that he was last week who believes that these decisions are between a family and a doctor. And people who are listening to this, I've seen some responses to this on social media. They're like, oh, you need to actually be working with healthcare professionals in order to, to do this. What a burden. No, it is a burden when the government is telling you that you must have as a part of your treatment team an endocrinologist, a bioethicist, a psychiatrist. They're telling you the medical professionals that you need to gather as a part of your team in order to continue with your treatment. That's yeah. a barrier to treatment. And they know that. Right. They know that that's a barrier Without to Without a doubt. And that's why they're putting that in place. So what was Mike DeWine doing a week ago? Yeah, what what is going on? I what mean, happened? I have, it is bizarre. It, a, a, a turn of events like this, a flip-flop like this is, 
is rare even for dirty, filthy, hypocritical Republicans. I mean, this is nutty. Yeah, so I I don't know other than, again, (laughs) another notch in the not trustworthy side. And again, last week we were like, you know, let's all be cautious. This is a Republican governor who's talking. But we were hopeful that the things that he was saying were genuine, and now we know they're not. Absolutely. We would love to hear from you. Again, the number 657-464-7609. Of course, as always, you can email the old-fashioned way or email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Let's let's thank our Patreon supporters. Um, we, we are uh, in a position that is beyond privileged to do this show, and it is only because of the support of the surrounding network and the family of, of Patreon supporters that are generous and, and support our work. You can go to patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast and uh, pick a tier and, and join that very Patreon family. We would like to thank our new Patreon supporters, Rada, Rada, William G, William G, Donna B, Donna B, Alexander S, Alexander S, Sarissa S, Sarissa S. Natasha E. Natasha E. Myron J. Myron J. Adela N M. Adela N M. D D R. D D R. Bert M. Bert M. Pamela P. Pamela P. Luis A. Luis or Luis A. Lynn W. Lynn W. Orth Orng. In 42. Orth. <laughs> what is it? Say it again. Just say it again. Maybe it means orange. I don't know. Orth Orng. <laughs> 882. I'm sorry. Correct us. Please do. I'm laughing at my stupidity. I'm not laughing at the name. And then we want to give a special shout out to our Patreon supporters who increased their pledges. CTM. CTM. And Christy M. Christy N. Christy M as in man. As in Mike. Or Mike. What is that the proper military thing? Yes. I always struggle because I wish I had the military thing memorized. You've been watching too many cop shows where they're like, Adam, people. No, I get tempted. Apple. Yeah, I get tempted to just like say random words that are not at all helpful. So I, again, I just struggle to think of the first thing I can think of. P like pneumonia. (laughs) (laughs) So seriously, though, thank you to our Patreon supporters. Uh, Please reach out to us if you did not receive your envelope and you were expecting it and we can get with you and figure out what went wrong. And if you have reached out, I have emailed everyone back that reached out to us and said they did not get it. And I'm waiting on replies from people. Hint, hint. So thank you again. And we will talk in depth about the end of your gift next time. Cause we did get like uh, messages that people in Australia have received them. Oh, good. So we're assuming that they have gone to where they need to go in most cases, but we're going to give it a little more time before we talk about it. Right on. Uh, we love and appreciate you guys. Thank you so much again. Uh, Patreon.com slash. I doubt it. Podcast. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Before we talk about what happened to John Fetterman, 
I want to briefly say that we finally released the long form Project 2025 video mm-hmm. that we had been working on, that we had been researching and and working on for several weeks. And we finally put it out. It is on Jesse's YouTube channel. So if you have been waiting for an explainer about what Project 2025 is, please go watch it. Please share it with people that you think need to hear the message. And we are proud of how it turned out. Yeah. We're proud of the responses that we're getting to people who are saying that it, it helped them feel informed about what to expect and what to do in the coming election with the Republican Party. For sure. So let's talk about John Fetterman. John Fetterman has been making headlines. Talk about going through it. Yeah, I'm, again, similar to Governor Mike DeWine and figuring out what happened to him. I think it's a little more clear what happened to him. He's just kind (laughs) of doesn't have principles. But John Fetterman is now abandoning the title progressive so much so that he's acting as though it never was a thing yeah that he never called himself a progressive when there's record of him repeatedly calling himself a progressive i mean from his twitter account tweeting memes with like his face and then bernie's face like equating him with bernie they took like the the wild bernie hair in a silhouette and then next to it was the wild like facial hair as a silhouette comparing the two as candidates yeah it's just bananas that he's now turning tail and betraying the same voter base that absolutely feverishly and fervently got him there yeah yeah and it seems more strange because his campaign is like desperately trying to find previous examples where he was sitting for interviews and said the words, I'm not a progressive. And they've seemed to dig up a, a couple of examples of it. But I, I want to play one that they tweeted because the campaign's really doubling down on this, trying to gaslight everyone into believing that he never called himself a progressive. So here's an example that they pulled trying to illustrate that John Fetterman has has never claimed he's a progressive. Fetterman is overwhelmingly the favorite to win what could be the Democrats' best chance at flipping a Senate seat with more than half of the registered Democrats in the state saying they plan to vote for him. Are you a progressive? No, I'm just a Democrat that has always run on what I believe and know to be true. And six years ago, that was considered progressive. But now there isn't a single Democrat in this race or any race that I'm aware of that's running on anything different. And we are squandering, in my opinion, an enormous opportunity to do some transformative good through legislation that is being stopped by a senator like Joe Manchin. And I'm not criticizing him. I'm simply saying I would vote differently. So if that makes me anything, you know, it's not, I don't believe it's a moderate to derail your party's and president's agenda. So when he's playing to the middle, He's not a progressive, but when he's playing to progressives, I'm just like Bernie, everybody. Right, because in that tweet you were talking about where he juxtaposes himself with Bernie, he tweets, retweet if you're standing with these progressive champions. Right. Talking not about, just a progressive, a progressive champion. Right, and then there's a photo of him walking with Giselle into a voting center, and he tweeted, Two hours left to vote, Pennsylvania. Let's make sure progressives are heard in this election. Right. We need you. He tweeted again a picture of him with his son. Four days until the Pennsylvania primary. 
Make a plan to vote for the most progressive candidate in this race. So this is why it's strange to have the campaign now doubling down as though he's never called himself a progressive. He did. We know that's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. The only thing that it illustrates that his campaign is digging up these clips of him calling himself not a progressive is that he's always played both sides, and we never noticed. And I don't. I don't know what to make of that. I think that's going to require some soul searching on our part to figure out, like, how is it we missed the message of yeah. him sometimes calling himself not a progressive and then other times calling himself a progressive. I think sometimes figures can just like catapult to such a, a point online or popularity that you can't consume every single interview that they're doing. And so inevitably you're going to miss certain statements that they make. Also, I think there's a lesson here in not being bamboozled by the slick internet presence. Mm. And this is a lesson for me. I'm really just, it's a self-taught here. I'm telling myself this because it's just coming to me that remember all the crudite and the right. Wagners and right. all of the slick, hilarious, poking fun at Dr. Oz, right. having uh, that Jersey Shore girl, whatever her name was, mm. do do a, a cameo for... Snooky? Snooky, yeah. Snooky did a cameo that was geared to touch on all the points about... Dr. Oz moving from Jersey, being from Jersey, and now trying to live in Pennsylvania. All this stuff. Anyway, all this slick, funny things, I think, for sure, had me, like, distracted by the the, the funniness of it and not on the substance of what he was actually saying. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, what a bummer. Well, especially now that he's coming out, forceful defense of Israel, no criticism for Israel, no criticism of what Israel's doing to Gaza, uh, criticizing Democrats who are critical of what Israel is doing yeah. to Gaza. He is talking about how it's it's not xenophobic to be concerned about the border. He's expressing concern about the border. Right, which is just giving oxygen to the xenophobes <laughs> who do make the border because of their racism and fear and hatred. Right. So yeah. if you know what happened... If you can explain this, we would love to hear your theories, 657-464-7609, or you can send an email to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Here's what I want theories on. This God-made-Trump thing that he posted over the weekend. Oh, my God. Um, First, I want to talk about, and I've done this in a YouTube video, but not everybody catches everything that I do. So, uh, What? There's a guy named Brendan Dilley who is, I guess, a podcaster. He's certainly in direct communication with the Trump campaign and Donald Trump himself. The New York Times did a an entire uh, piece on him and his meme team and his his uh, lack of adherence to facts or he just doesn't care. It's a, it, as long as it benefits Republicans, it doesn't matter if it's the truth. That's almost a direct quote from him. He's also a violent radical freak. The reason I'm bringing him up is because that God made Trump or the God made Trump uh, little video that went viral over the weekend uh, that we're going to play for you here was constructed and posted by him, provided to the Donald Trump campaign, and then Donald Trump posted it on True Social. But I want to give you an idea of just what a radical, violent maniac this guy is and how dangerous it is that he has direct communication with the Donald Trump campaign. Here's a moment from him in 2020 in the in the, in the the wake of the murder of George Floyd, 
He told his followers that he was ready. As soon as his president, Donald Trump, gave the order, he would be out there with all of his fellow Second Amendment lovers to murder protesters in the streets. So you better pray to God, and I mean this literally, or whoever the fuck it is you pray to, okay? That Donald J. Trump, President of the United States, and Attorney General Barr clean this up lawfully. Because if for any reason the President of the United States feels that it's not getting done the way it should and decides to put out the tweet that says, my fellow Americans, my fellow 2A loving Americans, it's time to take up arms against these assholes. You are all fucked in under an hour. Under one hour, you're done. Every one of you. We're all just at home hanging out or we're on vacation like me right now. Watching you idiots behave the way you do. Waiting for that one tweet, that one emergency text message from the fucking president of the United States that gives us the green light to finish this entire thing in under an hour. It will not be law enforcement. It will not be one of these slow bureaucratic justice system wheels of justice turning. It'll be a group of people you didn't even know fucking existed because we were at our houses We got off work, we're with our families, but we were ready for that call. And if that call ever does come, you will be fucked seven ways from Sunday. You will be fucked seven ways from Sunday. Can you imagine being in a room with this guy and having that be cackling at you constantly? No. Anyway, that's the guy who Donald Trump has chosen to be connected to. There are photos of them, multiple photos of them together. The the New York Times and uh, Right Wing Watch has done all kind, a comprehensive set of, of reports on this guy that he messaged to get tickets and get access to physical access to Donald Trump at a football game. And then he released this clip about God made Trump. And on June 14th, 1946, God looked down on his planned paradise and said, I need a caretaker. So God gave us Trump. God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, fix this country, work all day, fight the Marxists, eat supper, then go to the Oval Office and stay past midnight at a meeting of the heads of state. So God made Trump. I need somebody with arms, strong enough to rustle the deep state, and yet gentle enough to deliver his own grandchild. Somebody to ruffle the feathers, tame, cantankerous World Economic Forum come home hungry, have to wait until the first lady is done with lunch with friends, then tell the ladies to be sure and come back real soon, and mean it. So God gave us Trump. I need somebody who can shape an axe, but wield a sword, who had the courage to step foot in North Korea, who can make money from the tar of the sand, turn liquid to gold, who understands the difference between tariffs and inflation, will finish his 40-hour week by Tuesday noon, but then put in another 72 hours. So God made Trump. God had to have somebody willing to go into the den of vipers, call out the fake news for their tongues as sharp as a serpent's. The poison of vipers is on their lips, and yet stop. So God made Trump. God said, I need somebody who will be strong and courageous, who will not be afraid or terrified of the wolves when they attack. A man who cares for the flock. A shepherd to mankind who won't ever leave nor forsake them. I need the most diligent worker to follow the path. 
and remain strong in faith and know the belief of God and country, somebody who's willing to drill, bring back manufacturing and American jobs, farm the lands, secure our borders, build our military, fight the system all day, and finish a hard week's work by attending church on Sunday. <laughs> and then his oldest son turns and says, Dad, let's make America great again. Dad, let's build back a country to be the envy of the world again. So God made Trump. I love that <laughs> there's several things in here that I think are so fucking funny. So he's God is really wanting someone who understands the difference between tariffs and inflation. <laughs> That's like a priority for God. He's like, wait a minute. I've created several people now, millions in fact, and none of them really get it. They don't understand the difference between tariffs and inflation. So I There's Nobel Prize winning economists and they just don't nobody can get their brain around the difference between tariffs and inflation. But you know who does? Super genius Donald Trump. Yeah. I gave them all the tools and they're still not understanding the tariffs and the inflation. So we got to make Trump. So my favorite part, though, we got to we got to play my favorite part. I isolated it. Somebody who's willing to drill, bring back manufacturing and American jobs, farm the lands, secure our borders, build our military, fight the system all day and finish a hard week's work by attending church on Sunday. I love that. God is concerned about number one, someone who's willing to drill. <laughs> this is one of God's priorities. He wants to create someone who's some, someone who's willing to drill, someone who's willing to protect our borders, and someone who's who is finally going to bring back American jobs because well, God is really concerned about the American economy. I know you're thinking God like is concerned about everyone on Earth. Okay, no, it's Americans. Well, listen, Brittany. Here's what you're missing. And it's strange that you're missing this. God's an American. Oh! How fucking dare you assert that God, the creator of everything seen and unseen, known and unknown, is not an American citizen? Yeah, well, it reminds me of the classic Anne Lamont clip, or Anne Lamont quote, when she says, you can safely assume you've created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you create a video that is... <laughs> saying, Unhinged. Saying that God created Donald Trump to do all these things that are related to saving America. I mean, come on. What's going on? It is... Listen, I mean, this is hilarious and absurd and just nonsensical and just wild, obvious propaganda... But it's dangerous for the fact that we have a contingent of this country, a religious contingent of the country, that absolutely does ascribe deity-like qualities to Donald Trump. I mean, even the language within this, a shepherd who will care for the flock, not forsake them. These are all, this is all religious adjacent iconographical language if that's probably not even a word that that applies to Jesus Christ not to Donald Trump the guy who raw dogs porn stars and then pays them to be quiet so his wife who's pregnant at home with their kid doesn't find out come on she's not a christian <laughs> he's not a christian 
So good times, and we will look forward to more of this to come during the election. Yeah. We're going to end it there. This did, you know, listen, Brittany, I want to thank you. You plan the shows now. This buoyed my spirits just a little bit. I'm not <laughs> it quite. Did. It did? Yeah, wow. I'm not, I'm not in, in such a, a morose, you know, I don't have poison dripping from my lips while the wolves circle or whatever the God Made Trump video said. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, so one thing that we are hoping to do in the new year is live events. And we uh, yeah. we posted a survey on Patreon for people to vote on which city they would be most interested in. And <laughs> I also added it as an option. I'm not interested in live events. <laughs> and it did not. It wasn't ignored. It did that quite option. well. <laughs> so <laughs> slightly concerning. But I, I think that that might be related to the fact that if someone didn't see a city that was near them, then they said I'm not interested in this like if you're not going to be near me then I'm not going to you know and that makes total sense but we're just trying to get a a feel for the general perspective on that and the general interest so if you are interested in voting on that you want to go see the cities that we put up you can you can go vote on that on Patreon by becoming a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast and we're going to leave you there we love you guys we appreciate you very much Um, thanks for sticking with us when there's delays in the show because I'm uh, you know Wanting to take a three-day nap. It is, uh, it's very good of you. And uh, you guys and your participation in the show absolutely uh, does wonders to my mood. Anyway, we love you. We will see you next time. Until then, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It.